When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Three, two, one. Hey, everybody. It's Dan, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition, as we do every Tuesday here on the podcast. Mary Kay Cabot answers questions from our Football Insider subscribers. Now, if you want to get involved in Football Insider, it's really easy. You go to cleveland.com slash browns. It's the blue banner at the top of the page. You get a newsletter delivered right to your inbox every single day. You get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns, and you can become one of our text subscribers, which is how we got questions for this podcast. So again, just head to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page to get all the info and get signed up. Okay, here we go. Our Tuesday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Tuesday podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. Our football insider subscribers had lots of questions, of course, Mary Kay, based off of what we saw this past weekend. But I just, listen, we were talking about this before the pod. I just want to get this one out of the way. John from Fort Pierce, Florida, brought up special teams and how important they are. And at the very end of his question, he basically says, hey, Mary Kay, will the Browns draft a kicker? So let's just get this out of the way. We all know. We all saw it. Go ahead. Well, my feeling on that is if there is a kicker in the draft that is worth a fifth round pick or whatever the case may be, wherever you would have to get them. Uh, They absolutely need a kicker. And I certainly wouldn't be opposed to spending a draft pick like that on a kicker. I don't think anybody would at this point. And I think all you have to do is look at Evan McPherson, the Bengals kicker, uh, the rookie fifth round pick out of Florida uh, to see the wisdom in it. Uh, Obviously he, he won the game uh, on a 52 yard field goal as time expired, had another 54 yarder went four for four. And you can change your strategy when you have a kicker like that, when you know uh, that your money and you can line up uh, for a 50 plus kick and your kicker is going to nail it, especially in difficult conditions, I would be all for it. Uh, I think the Browns recognize at this point, they need to upgrade and they'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. I mean, you look at some of the guys that went after, Evan McPherson. I, I don't think the Bengals are missing. I don't think they're too disappointed that they didn't grab Tony Fields, who won a few picks later, uh, in, instead of taking that kicker a few picks ahead of the Browns. My thing is, look, we all know it. The Browns need a kicker, right? We know this. Everyone knows this. We all saw it. I think more importantly, think about what happened before those guys stepped up and made those kicks. You know, Joe Burrow had that interception, right? You know, they got the interception. And you just knew, whoops, Tennessee is screwed up. You gave Joe Burrow a chance, and he made the one throw he needed to make. Uh, Matthew Stafford, same deal. Somehow, right, 
we, we can say, oh, Tom Brady and the Bucks offense is screwed up. He scored too fast. And so Matthew Stafford hits Cooper Cup for that deep pass. Uh, you know, even Patrick Mahomes with 13 seconds left made those two plays to get the Chiefs into field goal range. So, yes, the Browns need a kicker, but Evan McPherson didn't put himself in field goal range. You need a lot of other pieces around it, too, and people who can make plays to put those kickers in range. Oh, that is so true, Dan. And I just think uh, the, the number one thing that has to be on the minds of the Cleveland Browns and all of their fans and all of the media that cover the Cleveland Browns uh, this past weekend, I think we were all thinking the same thing is they need elite quarterback play. For the most part, you're not going to get this far and you're not going to get to the Super Bowl unless you have some really good quarterback play. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo over the weekend was the exception to that rule, uh, but that really was mostly because it was partly because of the conditions, I think, in Green Bay and also because of two complete and total special team screw-ups uh, on the part of the, the Packers. But uh, for the most part, uh, to consistently contend and to get to this point, all you had to do is look at that Josh Allen game. Look at what some of the things that Joe Burrow did. Look at Patrick Mahomes, and you can see the blueprint. You have to have good quarterback play. The Browns need uh, an upgrade uh, in the play of their quarterback, whether it's Baker Mayfield or somebody else. It's got to be better. Okay, so I think you just answered this question, but we're going to throw it out there anyway to keep going down this road. John C. from Westlake. Hey, Mary Kay, having watched the game this weekend, having watched the games this weekend, how do you feel about the Browns right now? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I really strongly felt that, uh, that they have, they've got some work to do. They have some work to do to get their passing game up to the standards of 2021, 2022. 20, 20, uh, they're not there. They're not there by any stretch of the imagination. And they really are going to have to try to determine if they think that Baker Mayfield can hang with these AFC quarterbacks because look at where that bar is set right now. So maybe they won't be able to upgrade. Maybe Baker is actually really, truly coming back. Uh, but if he does, he's got to be way better. And how are you going to know if he's going to be way better when he can't even start throwing the ball until April? So that's going to be uh, another thing to keep an eye on. But uh, it just, it really, truly made me think, Dan, that um, more so than, than even when Andrew, Drew Barry first said it, that he had to say what he said about Baker Mayfield and fully expecting him to be the starter next year. If you don't toss your hat into the ring for an Aaron Rodgers or a Derek Carr or any of these other quarterbacks that might become available, then you really are doing yourself a disservice. They have to do that. Yeah, it's obviously jarring seeing the way that Mahomes and Allen played and then Joe Burrow, obviously. And then you think, you know, Justin Herbert didn't even make the playoffs this year. Uh, Lamar Jackson is going to come back and he's going to be healthy. Who knows what, you know, Deshaun Watson is still out there somewhere. We don't know where he's going to end up. We don't know what, what's going to happen with that situation, but Deshaun Watson is still out there. If he stays in the AFC, that's just another guy, you know, it becomes less and less likely that you can kind of sneak your way in if there's five or six really elite level quarterbacks, as opposed to like just one or two in, in your conference. I think what was really jarring, though, is you watch a guy like Ryan Tannehill and, you know, you, you maybe say, OK, maybe Baker at his best can be Ryan Tannehill. But even that wasn't good enough. And I'm not even sure that Baker at his best can be like good Ryan Tannehill. 
Right. I mean, I, th- I think uh, these are all, it raised a lot of questions to watch what happened. We had kind of seen it all season long, a renaissance in the quarterback world with all these really good young passers. I mean, we've been talking ad nauseum about Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, and we all know about Patrick Mahomes and we know about Josh Allen getting better and better, but I mean, he took his game to another stratosphere this season and that postseason. I, yesterday throughout watching that game, I kept on saying there is a confidence about him. He feels like he's got this, like he is so confident playing the game of football right now. And Brian Dayball just unlocked the magic of Josh Allen in every way with designed runs. I mean, he runs uh, with the force of a linebacker. He's so hard to bring down and he's got good vision. It's, it's just so weird that he, I mean, he is uh, a genuine dual threat quarterback. So, I mean, you got to get past him. You've got to get past Patrick. So I, I really do think that uh, it had to hit home. I mean, it just had to hit home uh, for the Cleveland Browns that, that they are not in that class right now. Now, does that mean they can't get in that class with Baker Mayfield? It doesn't mean it, but nobody knows. It's the big X factor. Nobody really knows if, if Baker can get up to that more elite level. And, and he's shown flashes of it. He has shown flashes of it. He did in the, uh, in the home stretch last year. He showed uh, that, that he can be a gamer and that he can make big plays. But uh, he's got a ways to go to get up to that next, next elite level that's going on, especially in the AFC right now. Boy, oh boy. I mean, it's, it's going to be exciting. I kidded around and said, you know, in the, you know, over the next 20 years, you know, when, uh, when Patrick Mahomes is 40, Mahomes is 46, that's when maybe somebody else will have a chance to win the, the AFC North. If poor Josh Allen cannot win that game yesterday with only 13 seconds left and what he had to do uh, to try to get past Pat Mahomes. I mean, is there hope for anybody else? I mean, that, that was just incredible. So I, I think that's, the point about Baker having played so well last year. So we had a texter point out to us. It was Terry in Arizona point out to us, Hey, the Browns were in the same place as Josh Allen is right now last year, you know, losing in the divisional round in Kansas city. But, you know, I think about how Josh Allen played in that game and how, you know, when he was under pressure, he found ways to make plays and Mahomes was doing the same thing. And what sticks in my mind, and we've talked about this with Baker is he did have the ball in the divisional round with a chance to win that game. And Wyatt Teller gets beat and that short circuits the entire drive. And I think we saw multiple times last night on both sides, somebody gets beat, a defender gets in the backfield, the quarterback makes that guy miss and still goes and makes a play. And that's what we haven't, that, that's what Baker seems to not be able to do when, when things are kind of broken around him in those big moments. Can you fix it? And as our buddy Ellis used to like to stand here, can you fix it and still go make a play? And, you know, that play against Kansas City still sticks out to me. Yeah, and you're, you're so right about that, Dan, and, and the opportunity was there. But when I look back at that game, and I understand what the, what the texter is saying and the point that he's trying to make, but when you take Patrick Mahomes off of the field for the final 22 minutes of that game, I mean, you saw what Patrick Mahomes was able to do in the final two minutes of yesterday's game. Give him 22 minutes in, uh, in the game against the Browns. Now, he also had a foot injury in that game. So he was not himself when he played against the Cleveland Browns last year in the divisional round. Um, he, was, he was a little bit out of it. He, he was having a hard time 
uh, just moving on that foot even before that. But to take him off the field for the last 22 minutes, I mean, that changes. I'm sorry. That, that's not the Kansas City Chiefs. No. I mean, if you had taken um, Patrick off the field for the last 22 minutes of yesterday's game, hello, the Buffalo Bills are winning the football game. So I just, I understand what you're, you're saying. And I understand what the texter is saying. And yes, you do need to make that play. You do, you do need to be able to make that play in the clutch. And we haven't seen that enough from Baker Mayfield. That is why he is 0 for 6 this season uh, in potential game-winning drives. Not good enough. Uh, we have seen way too many comebacks this year. I mean, you have to almost be a miracle worker to survive in today's NFL against these amazing quarterbacks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, I, I think that's kind of the point. Like you had everything set up for you last year and you couldn't. So, yeah, maybe they ended up in the same spot, but like you couldn't take advantage of it. Like it was right there and you couldn't take advantage of it. And like I said, one guy gets beat, your guard gets beat. And look, that's on him. Wyatt Teller needs to be better. But as the quarterback, you got you got to figure out how to make a play because that was like a do or die play. That was third down. And you've, you've got to figure it out. Yeah. And you know what? And when you look at some of the guys that are in uh, the playoffs right now, I mean, look at the improvising that they had to do. I mean, you're, you were seeing some extraordinary feats of athleticism. I mean, look at the arm angles that Pat Mahomes can throw from, right? So if, if the pocket collapses and you've got a guy in your face, uh, you know, he could just sidearm the ball in a way that I've never seen anybody in the NFL be able to do that. Um, and Josh Allen, when I talked about his vision in terms of being that dual threat quarterback, I mean, he, he knows how to find the holes. He knows how, how to run the football, like a running back. I mean, he has that kind of vision and athleticism and, you know, those are the kinds of things that you need to do to make that play when not everything around you is perfect. That's what you have to be able to do. So Baker's going to have to add to his game. He's going to have to add to his repertoire. And instead of adding to it, what happened this past season in 2021 is that people chipped away at his game. They chipped away at it. They took away the, the bootlegs and the rollouts for the most part, or they did a lot. They took them away a lot. And I don't even think I've seen those that much from, uh, the court, the other quarterbacks that have been doing that. I think defenses have caught up to that a lot. I think you, you know, you start rolling somebody out there, uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to have Aaron Donald in your face and you're going to get crushed. Right. I mean, I just don't think it's that easy anymore. I think defenses have said, Oh no, we're not giving you all the time. We're not going to just let you, you know, fake a handoff, roll out to your left or right and have all the time in the world to throw the football where you can see it nicely and beautifully. It's, it's not going to be like that. I mean, teams have said, no, you're going to stay here within the pocket and you're going to figure this out. And if you can't see over us, well, that's too darn bad. And if you can't lift the ball over our upstretched hand, well, we're going to, we're going to knock it down. So these are things that they have to adjust to in the offseason. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot more difficult when, when you're six feet tall. And you know, the other problem here is, <laughs> you, you talk about Baker adding things and Baker improving. He's 27 and going into year five. Like I, you know, at some point, this is a guy that played a lot of college football. 
and he's the oldest of this group of quarterbacks. At some point, he kind of is what he is. Now, obviously, you can keep improving and keep getting better. I mean, Tom Brady was getting better into his 30s and, and even in his 40s. But, you know, at, at some point, it's like, okay, what, you know, what, what do we have here? Who is this guy? And, and unfortunately for the Browns, and I think this is why, again, so many texts are questions about framing everything in this weekend. I think this weekend was a very jarring weekend for a lot of Browns fans who kind of, we're taking a step back and, and taking off their Baker glasses and, and kind of looking at this thing. I think this was a little bit of a jarring weekend, just based on what I've seen from our texters, what I've seen on social media. Obviously that's not everybody, but it, I think if there's enough there that it's like, Oh, I, I think this weekend got some people's attention. Yeah, I, I really think so too. I, I really think so too. And when I, uh, you know, crunched a few numbers heading into the weekend uh, just in regards to the quarterbacks, Six out of the eight quarterbacks that played this weekend were in the top 10 in passer rating. I mean, that, that's pretty remarkable. Six out of eight were in the top 10. One of them who wasn't in the top 10 was Josh Allen, who's 16. And then the other was Ryan Tannehill, who was 20. And so, and I actually think that, um, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo was actually ninth, which I was surprised at that when I, when I looked at that. Um, so the point there is that you really, really, if you want to give yourself a chance to play in the sandbox with the big boys, you have to have an elite quarterback for the most part. Now you can get away with it if you don't, I mean, you can possibly uh, get away with it. Um, but you're, you're asking for it and uh, there's just no, uh, guarantee that you're going to get there based on a running game and a good defense. And I think that Ryan Tannehill kind of find, found that out a little bit uh, this weekend. You've got to have uh, somebody who can do extraordinary, extraordinary things with the football uh, as the quarterback. And there's something else I wanted to bring up here too, Dan. And maybe this is when I, I'll tell you where I'm going with this. And if it fits into another question, I'll let you ask the question first. And it, it has to do with the Browns, versus the Chiefs in week one and what people may think about, well, you know, where they may have stacked up against the Chiefs this season. So, um, so I've had people say, and I've heard people say over the past couple of days, well, you know, Baker Mayfield, look at what he did against the Kansas City Chiefs in week one. And, you know, maybe he would have been able to just, you know, make a couple of more plays and duplicate that in the playoffs and get packed past the Chiefs because he held his own, he played well. Well, and I'm going to be writing about this this week. You know, the Chiefs defense that the Browns played in week one was absolutely not the Chiefs defense that showed up in the second half of the season. They got progressively better as they went on through the season. In fact, through like the first five games of the season, they were one of the worst defenses in the NFL in terms of like football outsiders DVOA. They were bad. I mean, they were really bad. Not only were they bad, but in that game against the Cleveland Browns, they did not have Teron Matthew, who was coming off COVID-19. They did not have Frank Clark, one of their other best defensive players. And they did not have Melvin Ingram, who made huge plays yesterday. And they did not trade for him until November 2nd. So three of their best 
defensive players that carried them to this point, to the AFC championship game, they were not around when the Cleveland Browns played them. And they just did not have their act together defensively at all yet. And they got progressively better. So for people to think that the Browns can look to that game and have that be an accurate barometer of where they would stack up against the Chiefs, not so. Not even close. Would have been a completely different ball game at the end of the year. And they were also playing Chris Jones a lot on the edge. Um, they, they were using him as an end a lot, and they, they kind of started as the season moved along. They decided, you know what, Chris Jones is one of the best D linemen in football. We should probably play him where he belongs. So they, yep. they were moving him back inside uh, as well. Teron Matthew, by the way, got to keep an eye on that moving forward because he was he, he left yesterday's game early, and you saw how, how Josh Allen was able to take advantage of him not being out there um, yeah. in that game yesterday. So, uh, you know, Joe Burrow probably hoping that Teron Matthew's not going to be back because he is such a difference maker. Uh, for that defense in general. One other question about this weekend's games uh, from uh, about the Bengals. Hey, Mary Kay, do you believe that the Bengals' success this year adds more pressure to the Browns' performance next year and creates a shorter leash with Baker Mayfield? Well, I think that um, I, I would say yes. The short answer to that is yes, because Joe Burrow his confidence is growing. This was only his second season, as we know. And he didn't even have a full first season whatsoever because he ended up suffering uh, the torn ACL. So here he is coming off of a torn ACL in only his second season. And here he is playing like this with the confidence and the moxie of a six-year veteran. And I, Rex Ryan or somebody said he's the next... Tom Brady. I mean, can you imagine that? <laughs> I mean, that is what the Browns are going to have to deal with. So the bar is not only set high throughout the AFC, and it is very high, um, but right at home, right in your backyard, right in Ohio, right in Ohio, the bar is set high at quarterback in the AFC North. And remember, the Ravens were not the Ravens in the last four or five games of the season without Lamar Jackson. He will be back healthy next year and he will have a better supporting cast. He might have Ronnie Stanley back. They might have their defense back intact, or at least they might have their two all pro cornerbacks back. Uh, so, and they might have their running backs back, right? JK Dobbins. Uh, so I would expect that the Ravens are going to get better. And then we do not know who is showing up yet on the doorstep of the Pittsburgh Steelers at quarterback, but I would have to think that they're going to try to land a good veteran quarterback unless they believe in one of these rookies and they feel like they can plug him in the way that they did Ben Roethlisberger when he was a rookie and they had such a good defense that, uh, that he was able to succeed right away. Um, but for the most part, I mean, you never know. You, I think you uh, have been one of the first to really think about Deshaun Watson for, for the Steelers. Uh, you know, what if they toss their hat in the ring for Aaron Rodgers, which by the way, I hope somebody asks me about that because I think the Browns should do that. Um, but I would think that, yes, the pressure is on even more so for Baker Mayfield because of what's going on in this division. And uh, as we all know, he's going into the final year of his contract. He is heading into his fifth year option year. And that could be it. That could be it. And if he sticks around after that, 
he will be the first, the first since 2011 that has remained with his drafting team beyond the fifth year option if they started headed into the season on their fifth year option. Okay, a few more here. Uh, this comes from John Brocklehurst in Strongsville, and this one has to do with Kevin Stefanski. Uh, hey, Mary Kay, do you worry that Kevin Stefanski is too, quote unquote, scheme constrained? That is, unable or unwilling to pound away on an identified mismatch with a wide receiver or tight end if it falls outside of the preordained game plan. And this is an interesting question because Troy Aikman said this about the Cowboys uh, after they lost in the wild card round. He talked about how he didn't think the Cowboys did a good enough job of basically essentially identifying a mismatch with C.D. Lamb or identifying how they were playing C.D. Lamb and taking advantage of that. They were a little too, as our texter put it, I don't think Troy used this word, but our texter called it scheme constrained. Do, do you see that a little bit in Kevin Stefanski? You know, it's so weird. And, and it's a really good question because I never felt that way about Kevin Stefanski last year. I was uh, very, very impressed with uh, his adjustments. I was impressed with uh, his game planning. I really felt that uh, he, his play calling was creative and on point. And this year, he just seemed a little off in, in all of those regards. And I, I think he felt hamstrung by the limitations of his quarterback this year, whether it was harness, whether it what, whatever it was. Um, but I think that, that he felt uh, that he had to call the game a certain way for Baker for the fact that they had no receivers that were, you know, lighting it up this year for the fact that he did not have a deep threat and because they did not have uh, their starting healthy tackles for most of the season and they didn't have Kareem Hunt. So I think he was just kind of getting by and doing what he needed to do or thought he needed to do. But, um, but, you know, I do think that, that he does need to be super open-minded about what they're going to do going forward. I've never felt that he was someone that would get locked into a scheme because, and I wrote this in my, one of my haze or something this past weekend, you know, he has had so many influences on his career. He hasn't just been with one mentor, his whole entire career. It, he wasn't even just in the West coast offense per se the whole time. I mean, he, when North Turner came in, North Turner brings in that, Don Coriel delineated number system. So he saw a whole new way of doing things that way. Um, and, and I do think that he comes from that growth mindset type of philosophy where he's open to anything. And I, I think that he did um, really adopt the Gary Kubiak version of the West Coast offense when he went back to be the play caller in Minnesota in that in his last year there. But I don't think he's locked into that. I don't think he's locked into that any more than I think Kyle Shanahan is locked into the Shanahan way of doing things. I think these are young, smart, creative coaches. If you hand him, if you handed Kevin Stefanski a Josh Allen, I think he would try to do with Josh Allen what Brian Dayball did with Josh Allen and utilize his strengths and play to his strengths. I think that's the kind of coach that he really is. And I think that it was a tough year on everybody. Uh, because even when you tried to do things a certain way, it didn't work out. I mean, they tried to get the ball to Austin Hooper and it just, it just didn't cut it. They tried to go deep to uh, Donovan Peoples Jones and stretch the defense a lot. And it didn't work. Like he ended up rising to his level of almost ineffectiveness at times in that role. So I don't think Kevin is locked into or 
scheme constrained. Uh, but I think he was a victim of some of his circumstances, but he's, he's got to do better. He has got to do better. And we talked about this in our awards pod, because if all you have is some tight ends and some running backs, then you got to make it work and you've got to find a way. And we've seen other coaches do that. Yeah. And I think going to that mismatch thing, it's just like, it just always felt like they just never wanted to say, all right, you can't stop us. We're then we're just going to run the ball on you all day. Like, mm-hmm. Could you have done that against the Chargers a little more? Could you have done it against the Packers a little more? You know, that's something that Kyle Shanahan is really good at. Like, he doesn't care. He could be down 20 points. And if he thinks he can run the ball on you, he's going to sit there and just run the football on you. You know, I mean, we saw that firsthand before he kind of became Kyle Shanahan when he was here in Cleveland in that Pittsburgh game when they almost came back and won. They, they were down big at halftime, and he said, you know what, we're just going to come out and play fast and run the football because they can't stop us. And, you know, that's not like, again, I've said this before. I'm not like this big established the run. You got to run it 40 times, but running 40 times is going to win you the game Then do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I really think that when they pull it apart and that's what they're doing right now, they are digging into the film and when they pull it all apart, they really need to have some tough, tough conversations on how things went schematically offensively this season, because, and I've said this before, I, from little things that I kept hearing throughout the season, and maybe it was just, you know, like when things don't go well, you hear little rumblings. Uh, But I think, I don't think that Baker was the only player that wondered if the play calling and the scheme was always the best for the moment. And, uh, and I think they need to take a really hard look at how that all went down. And, and they also need to, to ask themselves, I mean, would there be any merit? to Alex Van Pelt having any more of a voice in the play calling or should they, you know, collaborate on it and have it, you know, split it type of thing. Um, Or do they need to bring in an outside person for another whole look at this to see what they should be doing? They should not limit themselves to anything. They leave, they need to leave no stone unturned when it comes to trying to get this passing game up to speed. It doesn't matter if it's scheme, personnel, play calling, whatever. They have to look at all of it and be willing uh, to change whatever needs to change. Okay, let's talk some backup quarterback here. Scott Mandel from Los Angeles. He's already being a backup quarterback. Hey, Mary Kay, with all the talk about bringing in a veteran backup quarterback, he has yet to hear anything about Case Keenum. Have they given up on him? Do they not have faith in him anymore? What is Case's future? Well, I think some of that depends on what happens with the starting quarterback. If the starting quarterback is Baker Mayfield, like Andrew Barry fully expects it to be, um, you know, then maybe you do stick with Case Keenum in still sort of that mentor role and $6 million is not that much money for a really good quality backup. It's really not. Um, so, you know, he, he brings a lot of value and you know that you can throw him in there and he, he can win some games for you like he did this year. He went 2-0. So uh, I, I still think that he is part of the program. But if you bring in a different established starter, you know, say a Derek Carr or um, – or even an Aaron Rodgers. And I know I keep saying that and people probably think I'm crazy, but I have a reason for saying that. Um, you know, then maybe you look at doing something different in the backup role. Uh, so I think 
some of it is up in the air and dependent upon what shakes free over the next, I'm going to say month. So, I mean, how realistic would Aaron Rodgers be in Cleveland? Well, the only reason why I even have mentioned that name over the past couple of days is because I've been giving it some thought. And if he is looking for a football, a new football team, most people think Aaron Rodgers to Cleveland, such a long shot, that will never happen. Well, one of the reasons why I think that it's not as crazy as it might sound at first blush is because of Alex Van Pelt. He's very close to Alex Van Pelt. Really liked him a lot, was mad when the Packers fired him. He spent seven years, seven seasons in Green Bay with Alex Van Pelt, knows him really well. But the last four years they had together, Alex Van Pelt was his quarterback's coach. And in his first of those four seasons, 2014, Aaron Rodgers won his second MVP award. He trusts Alex Van Pelt. He likes him a lot. And that means something. When you have that really close working relationship with your play caller, you know what? That, that is vitally important. So that's one selling point that I think the Browns have, but they have others. They have a good defense. They have a good running game. They have a good offensive line when people are healthy. Not sure what's happening with Jack Conklin yet right now at the beginning of the season. But he's kind of plug and play, except for the fact that, uh, you know, there's no Devontae Adams running around in Cleveland right now. That's yeah, not there could be. Well, there could be. There right? could actually there could actually be Devontae Adams running around right. in Cleveland. I mean, bring both of them. I mean, they, maybe they come as a package. Maybe they could come as a package deal, right? I mean, stranger things have happened because here's the thing. If a quarterback starts to look around, and let's say he wanted to look around and explore his options. I mean, a quarterback wants to win. And the Browns are kind of set up to win right now, but they need better quarterback play. I mean, we, we can all agree on that. So I think if you had an Aaron Rodgers or another really, really good quarterback or Baker Mayfield playing much, much better than he did this year, and then you add in at least two good receivers – really good receivers I'm talking about and one more good weapon and then you get Kareem Hunt back. Um, it's plug and play. It, it really is kind of plug and play. So I think that you could sell it. I think you could sell it. And of course, money talks too. You, I mean, money means a lot. And if you have cap space and you can throw a lot of money at a guy that can change the game as well. Yeah. It's, it's going to be uh, it, it'll be very interesting to see what, he decides to do because, you know, look, the, the whole idea that Green Bay didn't have talent around him is crazy, but now they actually might not have talent around him because they're going to have to make some really hard decisions um, this offseason. And that includes Devontae Adams and, and a bunch of other guys. So uh, we'll kind of see what Aaron wants to do. And hey, listen, Aaron, it doesn't snow like this all the time in Cleveland. I promise. Yeah. This, this is this is rare ish, rare ish. And, and we get this much snow. Yeah. It snows a lot, but then we get like, 20 inches of snow. That's, that's kind of a lot, Aaron. Don't worry about it. Well, here's the other thing, Dan, when you think about it, it's not like, remember when Odell went from New York to Cleveland, going from a large market like that to the smaller market and the smaller uh, city of Cleveland and the dimmer lights, uh, that didn't sit well with him. That was hard on him. He, you know, and now he's back in LA and he's, you know, where the, the bright lights in the big city and all that kind of stuff. Aaron Rodgers has been playing in Green Bay his entire career. This is a bigger market than Green Bay. 
it is a bigger, bigger market. And it's still a very storied franchise. So he understands uh, just wanting to restore the luster to a franchise like the Cleveland Browns. It's, I mean, this is old school, old time football with a passionate fan base. There's a lot to love, I think, if you are a quarterback that is looking to get to the Super Bowl sometime soon. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on uh, old Aaron over in Green Bay. And uh, who knows? We'll see what. And Devontae Adams, too, while we're at it. We'll keep an eye on Sure. Him. Come as, along. Uh, as we head into this, come on over. Aaron Jones, you want to come and back up <laughs> Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? Jo- join in. Just, just bring everybody with you. So Darius Smith. I'll just start naming Packers that I like. Um, come on over to Cleveland. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the uh, Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition, as we do every single Tuesday. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast. And of course, look, we did a lot of Aaron Rodgers talk in our Mayfield Matrix series. So go back. You're all snowed in. So go back and listen to that. Don't listen to that part, Aaron Rodgers. You're all snowed in. Go back and listen to the Mayfield Matrix series while while you're stuck inside uh, just watching the snow pile up. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.